Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday afternoon, November 16th. We are getting ready for Hanukkah, which is starting in less than two weeks. And we are starting a new initiative here at SAR Academy, which is an open podcast. The Open School is trying to open up about open education. And as our first guest, we are very, very blessed to have our own Mora Sarah Richter. Hi, Mora Sarah. Hi, Rabbi Kraus. This is such fun. Some people know you as Sharon, but we're going to call you Mora Sarah. The kids call you Mora Sarah, and they are very, very blessed and lucky to have you as a role model, as a long time. How long have you been at SIR, actually? 35 years. Is that crazy? That I started in 1986. I got married on Labor Day that year. And I had Shefa Brachot right here in SAR. I was 19 years old, turning 20. Unbelievable. I'm here 17 years. You have been part of the administration since I began. I'm certainly very lucky um, to have been worked to, to be working with you and to have I worked with you for way. so long. Thank you very much. Give us some highlights. 35 years is a long time. Give us favorite memories. Okay, so first of all, when I first started teaching here, when we didn't have computers, I created this like time machine for my class, and it was considered so like advanced that the kids walked in and we moved this time machine back in time to the times of the Torah and whatever lessons we were learning about. And now it's so funny because we have computers in every class and iPads in every class. I'm like, yeah, you can do that any second, any day. But like the time machine was a really big deal. Um, I love that this podcast is called Open Education because being here 35 years and thinking back at the highlights, so many of them remain the same because our values are so constant. So candle lighting on the steps is an example of something that's the same. And at the same time, some of my favorite memories of seat door play and chumash play are in some ways the same and in some ways expanded and better and different now that we've grown. Absolutely. So spiritual sparks, let's talk about that. I know you don't like to talk about yourself, so I'm going to try <clears> to make this as comfortable for you as possible. But you came up with an idea a couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago, a bunch of years ago. Um, and it actually became a series. Can you tell us a little bit about the name, about the idea, about the concept? I know you did it. I think we started with Pesach. Please tell me if I'm wrong. We talked about Shabbat. But it was really a very, very popular series that became something that actually went a little viral. I know that you went to Chicago. I know that you've been to other places. I know that people have asked to asked for your guidance and for some of your um, expert advice on, on parenting, that a lot of that came through through the series that you started. Tell us about that. The series actually started for me in my youth, in my own home, with two very thoughtful parents, social workers by trade, thoughtful about education and child rearing. Um, I was that 12-year-old girl who was mowing the lawn, Together with my four sisters, we built the sukkah together and had bamboo races across the lawn. I remember my mom and dad spreading tzedakah envelopes all across our living room carpet, and we helped put money inside to send it away for tzedakah before Rosh Hashanah. And they made us feel so, um, it just felt so wholesome and great, and that translated very much into the religious practice in our home. It was warm and fun, and it didn't feel like it was educational, even though it really was. And there was so much bonding going on. My friends all loved coming to our house on Shabbat afternoon, being there for the lingering meals, hearing the stories, playing the games. And then I started getting phone calls from people. How do you play that hard, the Kiddush Cup game? I'd love to try divided word in my house. 
And as I was getting calls, and you know, parents would call me, and I would talk to them about different parenting advice, I said, hey, let me share this with a wider audience. And so I actually started with the Shabbat Sparks. Okay. And then it My just bad. blew up. It just blew up from there. It moved on in a really organic kind of way to Pesach and the Magid Bag and Shavuot, and Hanukkah. Uh, after I said Shiva for my dad, one of my sisters said, maybe you should do a Shiva Sparks, but I said I'm going to put that on hold. <laughs> yes, we should all share good things together. <laughs> Only I'm good sure, things. I'm sure you have a lot to teach about, about all situations. And, you know, like I said, I know that you, you don't like to, uh, to talk about yourself, but I'm going to ask you to get personal for a second because I know um, that your own family... Um, First of all, they've contributed to some of your sparks. Now that you've had some guests, special guests, your your husband and your children have been guests for some of the sparks when we had them in person here. I know you've done them on Zoom over the last uh, 20 months when we when we learned about Zoom and we started using Zoom. Um, tell us what Hanukkah looks like at the Richter home in Muncie. Okay, so Hanukkah has evolved in the Richter home. Um, and I think part of growing with our children is knowing which oldies and goodies to keep and what Hanukkah looks like year after year in the repeats and which things need to change as our kids grow and evolve and dynamics in our household evolve. So I would say that like lingering around the candles and singing together and pulling out a guitar are things that have really been constants over all the years. And we've also tried new things over the years. One year we had one child speak each night at candle lighting and share a story or a Devar Torah or a thought. We love the glow-in-the-dark dance parties now with taping the glow sticks to black clothing and putting on the music and dancing. And we like including our grandchildren in that one as well. And the candle blowout game started about five years ago. And that, I believe, is a new constant. We line up Hanukkah candles on a board covered with tinfoil. And we have a line that you're not allowed to pass over. And each person gets a turn to try to blow out as many candles in a row as they can. Not next to where the Hanukkah candles are. We do this in the kitchen, at the kitchen table. We line up about 30 candles. And it is such fun. It works for ages 4 through 94 plus, And that's been another family fave. Interesting. So growing up, I don't know, I, I kind of, my, my sense is that you have an opinion on this. I don't know. My parents were not big believers in Hanukkah presents. I think that they, uh, they evolved, they gave, gave in a little bit, but it, be, it, wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Maybe a pack of gum, maybe a sweater if we got lucky, but they, they, they weren't really into it. What do you think about that? Should gifts be central? Do you believe in that? So they weren't big when I was growing up either. It was really more about the experiences, but I want to be nuanced about this because I think that um, I'd, I would never want to say nobody should give gifts or you should only give gifts or you should only give big gifts or small gifts. I think that each family works differently. And as long as the gifts are an expression of the love and the family time together and that they're not the main focus, as long as they're peripheral to everything else that can go around and be happening in the house around Hanukkah, I think there's a place for them. And that's what we had in mind when we started the SAR Light Up the Night series many years ago to provide families with lots of these kinds of activities that they can do to take the main focus away from the gifts. Okay, we'll take, we'll take it. Thank, <laughs> you for, thank you for that advice. I know that it's, uh, it, it might be a challenge for, for some of us to figure out what that, what that, what right that balance, balance is. What that balance is, and right. I take it. Um, 
I think the joy of a new gift fades very quickly, but the memories of the time that families spend together laughing and spending time and being together, those really stay with us. So let's talk about that. Obviously, we're going we're, we to, we're looking forward to a great week. We'll talk about school in a minute, but we're obviously, or hopefully, going to be getting together with family um, this year in particular. Uh, many of us probably haven't had the opportunity to gather, and we're, we're moving more in that direction. Um, so just gathering with family is, is nice and is meaningful. But once we get there, can you give us some advice? What can we do to make it meaningful? What can we do to make it spiritual? Can, what can we do to make, make it educational, substantive? How can, we, how can we provide meaning to these gatherings? So I am so excited to be able to be live this year for our Hanukkah parties. Last year we had to do it on Zoom, and that was took a lot, but I actually learned a lot from those Zoom options, and I think that we could even keep some of those for families that live far away and connect in those ways. Um, let me see. Let me share some of my favorites with you, Rabbi Krause. Please do. Okay, so let's start with the, the zany and the fun, the a minute to win it, because this works for four-year-olds and 35-year-olds and 80-year-olds all at the same time. Um, let's start with some examples of having the nosedive with some petroleum jelly on the nose and five cotton balls on one plate and an empty plate on the other side. And you put the minute to win it timer on and some nice Hanukkah music. And you have two people competing who could move that cotton ball from one plate to the other. Is that directly connected to Hanukkah? No, but it's fun and it's so nice to have the family time together. My second favorite minute to win it is the um, the Oreo one. You know. You no, like, I don't. Do you like Oreos, Rafi Chris? Always. Which flavor? Is there other flavors? You know, there's like... Uh, vanilla. Okay. okay. Yeah, the regular vanilla. one. Okay, yeah. I don't know. Now they have like the confetti cake and like all these other... I'll check it out later, but <laughs> I'm just a regular guy. So you start with the uh, Oreo on your forehead, and without using your hands, just using your, using your facial muscles, you have to try to get that Oreo into your mouth, and you're competing to see if you could do it in a minute. Uh, with somebody else. So that's another winner. Life-size memory is another one that's a blast. We go to Amazing Savings and buy either 12, 16, or 24, 9 by 13 tins, depending on the size of your crowd and the ages. And we lay them out across our living room floor with doubles of little mini trinkets or gifts underneath them. So there'll be two pairs of gloves, one underneath one tin, one on the other. That's the match that you're trying to find. And we put all different fun things. We have music on in the background. And when the game is over, there's serious bartering and trading that's going on because nobody needs two of the exact same. Uh, there, there are lots more. That's a lot of fun. Do you play dreidel? Oh, go back to Yeah, play. we love to play dreidel. And again, that's something that evolves with the kids. What you want to use. Are you using money? Are you using uh, chocolate? Um, ben Blatt has a great post that you could look up of a fun way for older kids to play dreidel that everybody's playing simultaneously nice. and it's really fast moving so that's fun and if we're looking to add some additional meaning um, we could think about people that might be alone on Hanukkah and we could buy supplies before Hanukkah and, and put hot cocoa and some other gifts and tea in a mug and write a card and think about delivering it to somebody who lives in an apartment near us or assisted living facility and might be alone. We might want to write letters Beautiful. of thanks to first responders. Um, I like to think a lot about gratitude and different ways that we could express that. It's over interesting Hanukkah. this year. You know, it doesn't happen that much. Um, we, there's, there's a guy in my shul who was a parent at SAR, uh, Johnny the Zick, who, who, who's the master of the calendar. And 
Um, we had a couple of a bunch of years ago, I guess Thanksgiving and Hanukkah coincided. It's not exactly, but Thanksgiving weekend, I think Sunday night, right? Uh-huh. Sunday night of Thanksgiving is the first Hanukkah candle. So that the, I think you just you just hinted towards that. Like the the themes are, are similar, right? The obviously the theme of gratitude for Thanksgiving, the theme of Hakarahatov around Hanukkah. Kadei lahodotu lahalel. Absolutely, that's our goal. Absolutely, and I love that idea of trying to figure out ways of including people, people who would not naturally be included in the holiday. Think about them, and 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 by doing that, you're making your you're making your celebration meaningful. And whatever um, by you're itself. and whatever you're doing, it's so easy to include other people. Because for example, if you're baking, you buy some of those mini tins and pour a little bit of a batter into a mini tin, and then be able to give a cake over to somebody else and have the children involved in that. It just makes it a natural way to think about other people when you're celebrating. Now let's try to, let's let's, let's talk about what we want them to come away with. You're, you're an educator. You're always thinking about educational goals. Like what, what are we, I mean, we, obviously we mentioned gratitude now, which is, which is so central, but um, what are some of the other central lessons that we want our kids to come away with or come away from this holiday internalizing. I want our kids to feel their shine, excuse the pun, for Hanukkah and the spark and the light. Um, You know, giving and chesed shouldn't hurt. We want our kids to be operating from their points of strength. So if we could think about the strong points of our particular children and operate from there and thinking about the activities, we can be building them in great ways. So for example, and again, this might work for one family based on the personalities and styles of their kids and not another, Um, Voting on a charity choice and having the kids research and talk about and debate where their money, you know, where their money should go. And maybe after they play dreidel, they can make donations and they they can vote on, on where they send their money. Another kid who's really fashion conscious and great at that can help organize clothing for a drive. Um, another kid might be awesome at tech, and they're going to figure out the best way to organize a creative kind of drive-by, and they'll use tech to get that word out. So I think that operating from our kids' areas of strength to make them feel so good about who they are and what they can accomplish in the world, is, is, it's a great opportunity for that. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm thinking about some of the educational challenges in general and maybe kind of malaise out there. So you have kids who are like, nah, I want to just, you know, I don't want to, you know, spend time, you know, with the candles tonight. I don't want to, I don't want to go to this get together. I, you know, I want to just do my regular thing or, you know, how, how much do you push? How, how much do you push to, to have your kids or to, to push your kids or maybe even pressure your kids? Like what's appropriate in terms of engagement around the holidays? It's not always, they're, they're not all, you know, they're not always into it. What right. Do you do when they're not? So I guess the first thing I would think about is how could I include them in the planning or make them part of a part of the celebration that they would feel vested in. So if they can help plan, maybe part of it is giving kids money and having them go and pick something for somebody else that would be meaningful for them. Uh, maybe one of them could help with food preparation for it if that's something meaningful uh, for them. Trying to find an angle that they might be able to connect to and just to ask them to stretch just a little bit, uh, not too much because we don't want negativity, but to try to find one area of connection that might that might bring that bring that kid on board. You know, Hanukkah is an interesting one. I guess you know some of the stuff that I, some of the challenges I'm talking about might be more applicable to to even Shabbat or to Yom Tov, where there are more restrictions. Hanukkah right. and Purim are interesting ones where there are actually fewer restrictions, and maybe maybe that makes this maybe that makes this easier. Maybe the question is, but is better placed for some of the other for some of the other mm-hmm. days. And we could certainly talk about that. 
Um, can we shift to school for a second? We're going to be sure. in school. We have five. I think we have five days of school over the eight days of Hanukkah. We do that on, obviously on purpose. We're, you know, we're, we're actually disappointed on the years that Hanukkah uh, falls out during vacation. I think that for some kids, the most memorable, some of the most memorable times here at SAR, are their Hanukkah experiences. That's who we are. It's so much who we are as a school, living it. What do you do? How do you balance it? How do you balance learning and fun? What does Hanukkah look like at school? I know this pre-pandemic and post-pandemic, I guess, or during pandemic, but talk about that a little bit. I feel so passionate about SAR being open on Hanukkah. First of all, we're celebrating the fact that we're free to live as Jews and study Torah, so it's nice that we're able to do that in the building during Hanukkah. And it's an opportunity to join as a community, to interact as a class, as grades, as a whole school. Wow, that candlelighting is out of sight when we sing all those songs together. We missed that. We missed that. We missed yeah, it last year. Right? We did it on Zoom. It's not the yeah, same. Not the We're same. not going to be doing it quite the same this way this year. year. But we might. We're going to figure it out. Hopefully, we'll do something outdoors. We're going to. We're going to try to figure out a way to. To bring back some of that, some of that public joy. I think it's a big deal to feel like you're part of something really big. I think that's a big part of child development. I'm part of a community. I'm part of a school. I mean something. I'm a part of something that's greater and bigger than I am. And I think that the combination of the meaningful activities that teachers are planning inside of their classrooms, in addition to the school-wide activities, to me is a perfect combination of fun and learning and gathering and community and joy. That's what kids remember. How about in the classrooms? What, what's, what goes on in the classrooms? Are, are we preparing already? We are. Teachers so? are. Teachers are busy with their kids, eliciting from them what their memories are from Hanukkah, creating books, plays, having them reenact. They're so pleased to see how much the kids remember from previous years and building upon, building upon that in so many different modalities. It's really fun. Let's, let's come up with some, some last words. So uh, we're, we're going to put out this podcast. First of all, again, for, I want to thank Caesar, our, our IT guy, uh, for, for managing it. I, wanna, I should have said this before, but um, the background noise is, um, is, is just natural. We're, we, we found a sort of a closed room, um, but there's certainly background noise. That's the noise of children. We think that's good noise, so that we hope, we hope you're enjoying it and hope it hasn't, hasn't been distracting. Um, final thoughts on... Uh, on you know, kind of our, our pre-Hanukkah, getting ready for Hanukkah spirit for our families? You know, you had me thinking about my own childhood, and I'm thinking about my dad, Alav HaShalom, and um, he was an ultimate connector with people. And, and he, he was, was really a giant in informal Jewish education. Yes, yeah, so we had a special family friend growing up. He just passed away about two years, uh, three years ago, and his name was Zaharia Ofri. And um, Zacharia was on the Israeli Olympic team as a basketball player, and he was also the captain of the Maccabi uh, team wow. in Israel. My family liked going to those games. And um, when the, because of the Sinai War, when the um, Olympics were, when the Israelis weren't able to go participate, they were allowed to come to the States instead. They had like exhibition games. And my father met him on the street in the Bronx and invited him over. And then he ended up studying, they offered him a scholarship at NYU and he ended up studying at NYU and living here for a few years before he went back to Israel. And Zachary was a big, tall, Israeli basketball player. And he and his family came to our house every year on Hanukkah. And that's such a special memory for me. And I think that making connections with people from all different walks of life and having them in our homes. I know this year we still have some, some limitations. But remembering to think about the big world out there. And on the one hand, on Hanukkah, 
sanctifying and rebuilding the connections in our own home and having fun and wonderful memories and also having fun by thinking about other people and the way they can enrich our lives and the way we can enrich their lives is something that really sticks with me. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I'd like to take this opportunity, first of all, to welcome everyone to our inaugural podcast. Um, we hope that this will see the light of day and that uh, all the technology worked and that uh, we, we, we figured this out. We're going we're gonna to learn and grow as we try to use this medium to, um, to, to learn with each other and to share that um, with our community and, and, and perhaps broader. Um, and I want to take this opportunity to wish everybody in our community and, and beyond a Hanukkah Sameh. You should have a happy Hanukkah, a meaningful Hanukkah, a Hanukkah that brings your family together, a Hanukkah that celebrates the Nisim, the miracles of every day, of, of recognizing the, the miracles of life, which certainly a, a year like this, we, 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 I think we all have learned to appreciate the regular things in life um, and even miss some of those regular things in life. And I hope that we all have the opportunity to celebrate that and to bring others into that celebration as Marasara has um has suggested and, has and Rabbi Kress, sure. we are so blessed to partner with the parents that we partner with, and I think the things that we spoke about in this podcast really attest to the fact that we are full partners with the parents in the education of their kids, and we see that they are the most important educators of their children, and we love partnering with them. Absolutely. Thank you. Please give us your feedback. Um, I guess I will, we'll, we'll tell you exactly how to do that, but uh, we are going to continue to learn. And thank you very, very much for joining us uh, wherever you may be uh, out there. Hanukkah Sameach. Hanukkah Sameach, everyone. All right. That was really good. That was really good.